Uh, hello, listeners, and welcome back to Real Time Review. Uh, I am Doug Burbank, and with me, as always, Kevin Anderson. Hello. <laughs> I like that as our as our uh, episodes have gone on, your uh, your intro just gets shorter and shorter. Yeah, just as much energy in as little amount of time as possible. That's what I'm going for here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so this weekend we have Captain America Civil War coming out. And, you know, we figured most people are kind of doing their thoughts on that or or the Marvel movies that have led up to it. And we kind of wanted to jump in on that, but do our own take on this. And while Kevin and I spitballed back ideas we thought about sort of all the casting rumors that didn't happen over the years. And I remembered that Marvel, and I don't know if they still do this or not, but they used to have these series of comics called What If Comics. And they were sort of an alternate reality. Something like, what if Captain America wasn't the only super soldier? What if Uncle Ben hadn't died? And so then it would, you know, do a whole issue and talk about what that alternate reality looks like. So we figured, what if we take some of these casting rumors? What if we take some of these uh, directing uh, ideas that came around, and uh, what if they happened or didn't happen? So how how would things look both uh, for the Marvel Universe, maybe these actors themselves, and uh, and yeah, so we got ourselves a couple questions. We'll kind of go from uh, maybe least impactful to most impactful. Additionally, just as a side note, um, Doug here is, is a resident expert with Marvel. Um, I've seen all the movies, probably twice each one, many with you, Doug, but by no means do I truly know this universe so i'm coming from a movie perspective here but that's all i really care about and if you're listening to this it's probably all you really care about too let's focus on these movies see what kind of fun we can have with the what ifs and kind of go from there but doug kick us off yeah we'll uh, we'll throw up a little softball a more recent one uh for us we had Ant-Man came out a couple years ago. It's one of the more recent Marvel movies, and that was shepherded for a long time by Edgar Wright, who was director of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, um, all those Simon Pegg movies. And he worked on this for a long time. I think officially he was three or four years in it, but I think he had written up a a treatment on this like ten years ago, coming off of... Uh, Shaun of the Dead, and he left for creative differences, the greatest excuse that everyone stops doing anything in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I I never got a – I definitely dug into this to try to figure out what happened there because it seemed like a very good match. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like Marvel's done an amazing job of kind of pulling these directors out of their ass and like – and but this one just seemed to make sense. It's like this is their first true like comic action movie. I, I don't know if there was one before this. So and not only that, but kind of just just the weirdness and also the you know the CGI challenge of yeah. the Ant Man making that look good. You know, and so you see this on paper and you're like, yeah, of course this needs to happen. So why why didn't it happen? And I don't know about what you thought. I, I still thought that because he'd been involved in the production process as long as he had, I still felt there was a little bit of a stamp of, of Edgar Wright on, on some of what had happened. And uh, and so I, I don't know. But did, did you ever hear what actually happened behind the scenes there? No, I really didn't. And I wonder the, – the biggest thing I could find that 
that seemed to be the sticking point was there's kind of a creative committee and that was like Joel Caseta, who is is one of the editors in chief of Marvel, like Brian Michael Bendis, who he's kind of the big writer now. He got he got famous doing um, mainly the Ultimate Spider-Man universe and things like that. And it seems like just and maybe it's just because Wright was around so long, it just wore on him a little bit. All of the notes, all of maybe the sticking points of trying to make things fit in a shared universe. I think we've seen a little bit of that with. You know, Josh Whedon, as he came to the end of the Age of Ultron run, seemed to really kind of be running out of steam. Uh, Kenneth Branagh only made it through one Thor movie. Um, Joe Johnson stuck around for that first Captain America movie, and then he was gone. But that seems more about they wanted the Russo brothers in than, than Johnson out. So I don't know. I wonder if it's just a lot of pressure to try to, to make these things fit. And Edgar Wright also had had the hard task of he was the writer on on this for the the most part as well it's also very strange when you look kind of bird's eye view of everything that they've done you know like uh, we can kind of expand this a little bit but just you know pulling kenneth branagh to do a comic book movie is just insane to me and and he it worked but like I don't. I can't see Kenneth Branagh being super fulfilled by this. So it must have been an obscene amount of money to to convince him to come on board in the first place, and then he's out after the first movie. I would um, imagine you you have to wonder what, what kind of like does this wear on your artistic sensibility to kind of do these movies? But at the same time, it opens you know it opens up a lot of opportunities here. Um, and so that being said, folk you know kind of focusing more down on ant-man we've got so edgar wright drops out for you know whatever reason maybe you know it seems like he's a very auteur kind of director kind of wants to control the whole process probably has a a lot of marvel knowledge going into it and maybe he's upset that he's not getting his way 100 percent of the time so we see marvel replace him with peyton reed who is not a name I recognize, so I had to look up the IMDb and what. Bring he it on! Bring it on! Yep, uh, yeah, bring it on. The breakup and Yes Man are not only his best movies, his only movies. Pretty much. Uh, uh, how do you go like in the 2015 Ant Man being like? Oh, you remember that uh, Jim Carrey uh, Yes Man movie that was basically Liar Liar again uh, <laughs> seven years ago? Yeah, let's get that guy, bring him in, and he'll be the perfect person for this movie. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I like it, man. I like what happened with it. You know, they. I, I bet Edgar Wright's. I don't know. I, I I still see Edgar Wright's touch on it, like I said, but. Uh, maybe it's a little tame, I guess. Would you call that movie tame? Uh, I would say a little bit. And I think because once Peyton Reed came on, I know that Paul Rudd and then Adam McKay did some some rewriting of the script. And so I've got to imagine you get a little bit more of a snarky version of of your main character because that's Paul Rudd. But at the same time, Edgar Wright does that a lot with some of his characters. But yeah, I would have imagined that there would have been a slightly darker tone to Edgar Wright's uh, version of this. And I know in the comics, Hank Pym is a bit of an asshole with a drinking problem and uh, some domestic abuse issues under his belt. Interesting. Yeah, so I wonder if he would have been more interested in exploring those things, and at least for this 
this portion of, of the movie, for the first Ant-Man movie, if Marvel just wasn't having that. They're like, hey, let's get the character established. We can worry about that later. Because they've also ignored sort of the Iron Man drinking uh, problems that arise. That's a pretty Tony Stark classic. And so I wonder if this was also something where, where Wright kind of got penned in by this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I love Edgar Wright movies. Um, I've always thought that they've all been very underrated, kind of flown under the radar, never really marketed properly. I think obviously the best example of this is Scott Pilgrim, uh, which is a, I think a pretty phenomenal vision for a movie and it's very funny and it, it yep. captures the true essence of like a comic book movie. Yeah. Like it, it feels like you're watching a comic book, which rarely happens. I think the first attempt at uh, the incredible Hulk uh, is it, it tries, it tries to literally make it look like a comic book movie where it has like the comic panels and everything. Yeah. The angry version. Yeah. And, you're right. And, and that was kind of cool, but it just, it was such a mess besides that, uh, that didn't work. So I think truly, this is the only like comic book feel of a movie and it's unfortunate that it was one of the biggest all-time busts you know yeah. lost like 70 million dollars or something like that so you know it, it's uh it's interesting that marvel coming off a 70 million dollar loss of a movie pegs him to take over and then doesn't give him the full vision that he wants like I, it's all very strange i i don't really follow exactly what happened here that being said ant-man is a success i think there could have been more. It ended up being just kind of like plain vanilla fun, more so than like uh, this. Uh, like it, it could have been like Paul Rudd, you know, going wild. Like it, it just, it's not a, a great Paul Rudd performance. I think it's a very passive Paul Rudd performance, and I think we could have gotten more with an Edgar Wright full ver version of it. Yeah, I agree. But again, I think this is probably a minimal impact on both the Marvel universe uh, itself and probably everyone involved in these movies. You know, Michael Douglas isn't hurting because Edgar Wright didn't finish this out. Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. He's never going to be bigger or smaller than he is today. That was kind of a pun, and I didn't mean it that way. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean it that way at all. And then Edgar Wright, he's going to be fine. He's going to do more projects. You know, Simon Pegg is always going to want to make, you know, quirky British humor movies. So that's going to be Edgar Wright's thing. They're, everyone's going to be fine. This didn't really affect anyone too big. I don't think there's any real giant ramifications on the in-universe Marvel continuity either. Yep, uh, looks like Edgar Wright has a, a movie written and directed by himself coming out that's starring Kevin Spacey uh, and, and John Hamm and Jamie Foxx. I will watch this. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, it's called Baby Driver. There's no plot description, but with a title like that, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Would have liked to see it, but yeah, it's fine. Moving All right, on. next, next one. Uh, another one that might not have been too huge – but what if Emily Blunt didn't drop out of playing Black Widow? She was the original casting choice for Iron Man 2, and I believe she was pregnant and had to drop out. And that's when Scarlett Johansson got inserted instead. Man, it really sucks having to carry a baby to term, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Says two nerdy white guys recording a movie podcast. True. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I think that everything Emily Blunt does is great I think she's a phenomenal actress and she's got such a a wide range of movies that she does like to from five-year engagement to edge of tomorrow 
to Sicario, like, and and into the woods. That's two years of her acting career, right there. Seriously, it's like is four insanely different genres. So I'm I'm pretty impressed by her. Um, I I I have to think that she would have nailed it. That's not to say that ScarJo isn't awesome in the role. I think the the true travesty is that they're not giving Black Widow a movie. They, you know, Black Widow. I would say. In the first Avengers movie, Black Widow is maybe our main character in the movie, but that doesn't kind of excuse that the kind of uh, anti-woman uh, nature of the Avengers at times that is kind of unfortunate. Um, so I'm going to say that the actress playing the the role that Black Widow has been set up by the Marvel Universe so far, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because there's just not a lot of meat there, but... I would have welcomed a much more expanded role and to see what Emily Blunt would have done. I think it's, it'd be very interesting to see what Emily Blunt's take on this would, would be. And I think she is a phenomenal actress. And like you already pointed out, Jesus Christ, that is a lot of range and there's not a single, you know, bad performance in any of those. In fact, in edge of tomorrow, I think weirdly for a movie that could have been dog shit, she's really good. Same with like Looper. She's a really great grounding piece oh yeah uh, she's great in that yeah and so she can clearly do a bigger budget movie bring a lot of talent to it that being said emily blunt is a very attractive woman but scarlett johansson has a very seductive kind of dangerous quality to her and i think that that fits the black widow character a little more and I don't know. I mean, maybe Emily Blunt could do that. That's one thing I – thinking about the movie she's done, I don't know that she's ever just been asked to play where her sexuality is is such a – kind of a weapon to her. And so, again, not that she couldn't do that. I just can't remember her being in something where she has, whereas that's something Scarlett Johansson does well, and I don't mean to belittle her for, for that at all. I think that Scarlett Johansson – knows that about herself and she knows how to use it as a tool. And so I, in that sense, I think that, that Marvel got a little lucky with Scarlett Johansson. I think also that she's a slightly bigger name, at least in the U S that probably lent a little more power to the movies for more casual people. Yes. Yes. I agree with that. Um, you know, we see, we see Emily Blunt in these kind of secret lead roles in movies. Like, she's the lead in Sicario, but the movie isn't really marketed uh, to be her as the lead character. She's the lead in Into the Woods, but it's not marketed to her. Ed, uh, Edge of Tomorrow is a Tom Cruise movie, even yeah. though Emily Blunt is, like, is the focus, focus character in that. Um, it, so it's kind of unfortunate that she doesn't really get the marketing backing that she deserves. Meanwhile, they'll throw ScarJo into a role that's meant to be a, a Japanese character, uh... kind of give her some black hair, and and she can, I mean, it just shows she can carry a movie, whether it be morally correct or not, you know. I, so uh, probably I agree with you at the end of the day that uh, ScarJo has a little bit more of a marketable and dangerous quality. I kind of look back at Emily Blunt's IMDb and I, and I don't really see a kind of a 
edgy character. I, she's very, very much girl next door or kind of voice of reason character. Or like a, I'm lot. a damaged person and I'm playing that really like damaged and guarded. I think she's really great at too. Yes. Yeah. Killer, you know, ruthless killer. I don't, I don't totally get that vibe from her, but like we said, with that kind of range that she's shown, it would have been nice to see that. And I, yeah. I bet she could have pulled it off, but I think I prefer ScarJo in the role. I think so too. Um, all right. So next, uh, what if Josh Hartnett, Liam Hemsworth, or Triple H were cast as Thor? <laughs> what a sense. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to preface this. Two of those were actual official people who were rumored for the role. Uh, and one of them was not. I'm going to let you guess, uh, audience, who you think that is. Uh, but I wanted to throw in, in Triple H because I just remember when that movie was getting cast, you had tons of fanboys who were throwing out sort of their idea of who should play Thor. And they're like, well, it can't be any of these people. They're too small. Thor is like seven feet and 400 pounds. And it's like, yeah, you can cast Triple H. Apparently, this is going to be a silent film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Marvel, you got lucky with casting uh, Batista in Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and no one was on board with that <laughs> up until they saw the movie, and all of a sudden, he's like this secretly amazing actor. Um, so, I and, you know, call me prejudice, I don't see Triple H pulling out a secretly great acting performance. For sure, he looks like it. He's got that those flowing blonde locks. Uh, you know, I, I can't deny that at all. But uh, but yeah, I think they pretty much nailed the the most perfect casting possible by uh, a star making Chris Hemsworth. I, I don't know. You can disagree. No, I think that's that's true. And it's hard to imagine. I mean, let's just start. Like Josh Hartnett is a on occasion good actor. I think that, you know, he struggled with the, you know, teen heartthrob slash early 20s, got into a bunch of movies that weren't necessarily good, didn't do great in them, um, and now he's kind of been chewed up and spit out a little bit. You know, you see him every once in a while in something and he's fine. He would have been an odd choice for Thor to me because Thor has a sort of brash, loud charisma and mm-hmm. Josh Hartnett is almost always broody and uh, a little a little shifty, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I so all right. Focusing Josh Hartnett, I, I'm I'm trying to think like what is he famous for? Like I, I, I'm looking at his list and he's got some very surprising movies that I forgot he was in. Um, we can go over that in a second. But like, what do you know just offhand? If you were coming into a conversation, what do you know Josh Hartnett from? Uh, he is in The Faculty. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is a bad movie, but I kind of love it. That is his first credit, really. Oh, really? Uh, I believe he was in Halloween H2O, which was a 20 years later with Jamie Lee Curtis returning. Correct. So those were, that's how he jumped on the scene. Those are his first two movies. His first two credits are 1998, Halloween H2O and The Faculty. Uh, So uh, maybe, I I don't know, maybe there's some TV show or something that made him famous, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how he's famous. That being said, then he's the second lead in Pearl Harbor. Oh, uh, shit, that's right. 
he is uh, in O, that that remake of Othello. Uh, Surprisingly decent, but yeah. yeah, the Iago character in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's in he's the main character in Black Hawk Down, um, which I forget because everyone has a shaved head and it's black and white and they all look the same. So so yeah, you know he's got some weird movies like you know Lucky Number Eleven and Black Dahlia that were pretty weird and interesting, but like. At the end of the day, like, everyone knows Josh Hartnett, but I really don't know why. (laughs) Because he's not, he doesn't have these memorable performances. And so, you know, if they did cast him, I I could see him pulling off the role. And I could see it being, like, one of those, like, why is Josh Hartnett? Oh, he's actually pretty good in this. Oh, it's a career revitalization. But I don't know. That's that's such a weird name to pull out of a hat for, for that role. Agreed. And I'm trying to think, I think... Thor came out close to 2010. So was six years ago, was Josh Hartnett in a better place? Were we thinking more highly of him? I don't feel like we were. So yeah, I don't like, again, I don't know why his name came up. I think he could have maybe pulled it off. And yes, I think like you said, it would be great for him. I think the movies would be worse because of it. I think you would have had a harder time making a second standalone Thor I also think that he would have had a harder time holding his own in the Avengers against bigger, more bombastic personalities like Robert Downey Jr. and even Chris Evans to an extent. Yep. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a worse Marvel Universe with Hartnett in it. When I went to go see Thor in the theater, I was like, all right, I'm 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 open to this. I mean, we're, we're still very much in the world of what's what's happening in this Avengers universe is this something that's going to take off yeah you had a good iron man uh but thor was the the second one to come out did it come out before captain america no all right so i think it is let me see if i have the order right i think it's iron man incredible hulk with ed norton oh um, yeah okay yeah and then i think i'm trying to think if iron man 2 comes out before captain america and thor do because i know captain iron man 2 came out pretty quickly and maybe you know that's part of the reason why it's not not uh particularly great but yeah they're still really establishing themselves because and i think thor out of all those was kind of the hardest sell because you're like oh okay he's an as you know he's a he's a norse god who speaks like a shakespearean character and how are you going to make that relatable how are you going to bring those elements to fit into a universe with Iron Man, which is very sort of sci-fi, but like sci-fi based in, you know, based in a more real scenario, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was a risky, I think that was the riskiest one of those. And I think that's probably why they splurged to bring Kenneth Branagh in, someone who was particularly familiar with kind of heightened Elizabethan language. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, I got the list up, and it's it's Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor, and then Captain America. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah, man, what, you, you look at every step of the Marvel Universe, and you're just like, how did you pull this off? I, I really don't know. Bringing in Robert Downey Jr. to, you know, like no to, to lead off your your billion billion dollar franchise, like I, I don't know, it's just it's also insane. But but yeah, my, I remember going into Thor and being like, all right, I have enjoyed these movies. Let's see what happens here. I'm open to this. And then Chris Hemsworth comes on screen. You're like, 
holy shit, if you are so good, you are a star, I like, this is insane. And he, like, just in his first words, I was like, okay, yeah, you, you've got the gravitas to compete with all the other Avengers and, and Bravo. I find it funny that his brother was up for this role before he was. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to say, I am totally Team Chris when we come to the Hemsworth brothers. Uh, yeah, uh, you're not going to get an argument here from me on that. Yeah. And I guess we could talk about how different these movies would be if it was Liam instead of, of Chris. But I just like to think more that had Liam been cast, they would have reversed roles in every single movie they have done. <laughs> Chris and the Hunger Games. Yes. And the yeah. Expendables. Uh, Liam would have been in Rush. It probably would have been a terrible movie at that point. Uh, and he also would have been in Cabin in the Woods, which I would have not enjoyed as much. Oh man, yeah, that's so much worse. Yeah, um, yeah. Give give Liam the the spares, the spare rolls, the like <laughs> the spare tire rolls. Agreed. He's the spare Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, yeah. I, I guess our our running theme here is congrats, Marvel. Don't know how you did this, but congrats. No yeah. kidding. All right. And speaking of more congrats, so next question: What if John Krasinski, Channing Tatum? Or Neil McDonough were cast as Captain America. Yeah, let's let's begin by starting with Chris Evans casting. Um, so <laughs> this guy goes like starts his career as just a throwaway actor in not another teen movie, and like I've always thought of him as a guy who just looks like other guys. Like, I, you know, I mean, obviously he's a superstar now, so I know who he is. But, like, I, it was just, like, he's cast in Not Another Teen Movie because he just kind of looks like your vague American actor. And and I guess that's that's Captain America, really. I mean, like, he's an everyman, and he is, you know, he's pulled out of nothing to become, you know, the superhero that he is. So there's a, you know, a separate side metaphor there. But, like... How they 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 chose Chris Evans for this is just insane to me. Well, and the um, thing to me that I remember this casting dragging on for months. It took them forever, and Chris Evans turned them down. I think twice for this. <laughs> so I don't know if he's like if if he's like Catholic or Jewish, and he makes people ask him three times before he will accept. I don't know. Um, and it was funny when he finally did get cast because. This was a lambasted casting by fanboys. They're like, one, he's already Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four movies. He can't play two Marvel characters. And it's like, yes. you realize the Fantastic Four movies are garbage and we're not getting any more of them. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one gives a shit about those movies. God, they're bad. Yeah. He's probably the best part of them, but they're bad. Yeah. And two, you're like, why was Marvel so dead set on Chris Evans? Like, he hadn't. The only thing I can think of he did before these movies that was particularly noteworthy from an acting standpoint is is Sunshine, the Danny Boyle movie. And he's pretty good in that. I like his performance in that. And that's the first time I saw him in something. And I was like, oh, I like Chris Evans. He's pretty good. Yes. And he got yeah. in Captain America. And I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of excited about this. I think this is better than everyone got who was getting kicked around. Um, the other, and going back to a previous conversation, um, he's in Scott Pilgrim, and I remember seeing him in that, and it, where he's basically just lampooning the 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 kind of role that he's been playing, this kind of like yeah. cartoonic alpha male, and uh, and he's hilarious in it. For the first time, I was like, 
Um, oh, you're not just you're not just some goofball. You actually like get it, and and you can make fun of it at the same time too. And so you're, very, it's like a he's very much in control. And I was I was pretty impressed with him in that. Uh, and and then seeing him not only being able to spoof himself like in not a, not another team movie and Scott Pilgrim, but then to actually earnestly play that same role that and Scott Pilgrim's 2010 Captain America's 2011. Jesus. And there's nothing in between there. So that they, they see Scott Pilgrim and that's pretty much how they make that, that Captain America decision. Um, and so, man, it's just, it's so improbable how everything happened, <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. So focusing on, the alternates. So John Krasinski at that time could have put himself in any movie that he wanted to. And he put himself in Leatherheads. (laughs) (laughs) Bad move, John Krasinski. Bad move. Yeah. I, man, I like he, uh, he could have, him and Pam were like, they, they, Pam was in like 10 comedy movies in a row right around then. Like I, I, it's just so confusing. So, Okay, so John Krasinski at that time is Leatherheads in 2008, Away We Go in 2009, and a, a string of terrible romantic comedies. Like, oh, he's got a terrible one with Mandy Moore and Robin Williams. Uh, is that something borrowed? Or Maybe. No, no, that's... Oh, man, what is that? License to Wed. There yeah, we go. That's yeah. bad. That's yeah. real bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Why... Oh man, this I think John Krasinski could have been pretty awesome in this actually uh, as a Captain America. I think it's possible. I know that he has done more serious stuff, or I guess not serious because it's not like Captain America is a deathly serious character, but I guess more straight stuff since The Office has ended. But I don't know. There's also a look to John Krasinski that I don't think screams all American and I hate to like use that against him but that's supposed to be kind of what Captain America looks like and I know that I in other stuff I've already pointed out that you know how someone looks and how big someone is shouldn't be a gigantic factor in these things but I do think Krasinski has a certain quality about him that that looks I don't know I mean I mean you know he he looks very Eastern European to me, you know, and that's as someone who's, who's got a decent amount of Eastern European in him of just, you know, those kind of big ears, big nose, long face, like that is a Polish last name for sure. Yeah. It's, and he, his face, it's a Polish face. Yeah. Well, and yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think he could have been good. I think he would have brought a very different quality to the role than, than Evans did. I think a funny tangent is that had he been cast as Captain America, and had Emily Blunt been cast as uh, Black Widow, well, they're yeah. married in real life. So those oh, have been very yeah. interesting situations to throw them in, um, especially when, like, Captain America 2 comes around and and uh, Black Widow's really the second main character of that. Yes. Yeah. I So the, the charm of John Krasinski is that, you know, you see him in the office and, you know, he, he is – He's got that look where it's like he can be a handsome guy, but he's also like kind of he's just like adorably schlubby at the same time. Yes. And that could have worked for like, uh, you know, pre steroidal Captain America or whatever, you know, makes him Captain America. But is he 
can he be Captain America? And I think Chris Evans very much is the... I was worried that he would be ridiculous as pre-Captain America, but that CGI was pretty cool with, yeah. you know, the, the what they did. And, and I think he pulled that off pretty well. Um, but yeah, po- you know, post-transformation into full Captain America, Krasinski, I don't think he, he pulls off the role. Me neither. Uh, so then we get Channing Tatum, and this is really before... Uh, Channing Tatum had had started to gain the goodwill of the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely before Twenty One Jump Street, which I think is the turning point for Channing Tatum. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, he he started off with many dance movies. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he was a dancer, so yeah. yeah. Um, Channing Tatum is an American success story. Yes, that is very <laughs> much true. Yeah. Uh, so I mean. He's in he's in st- the Step Up movies, yep. so he's got those. Uh, and then he's in he has a dramatic turn in Stop Loss, which is that uh, that um, movie about the army. Uh, oh yeah, he ends up he ends up with Soderbergh for a bunch of movies, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So all right, so we go the Step Up movies to to Stop Loss to GI Joe. Oh God, I forgot he's in those. To Dear John, the, the I believe that's a, a Nicholas Sparks movie. I believe you are correct. Um, and and then a, a bunch of these movies I I don't know uh, up until 2012, where it's 21 Jump Street and Magic Mike in the same year. God, that is that is. Look, there was the reconnaissance. What do we call the Channing Tatum uh, rocket to stardom? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a that's a good year. Tumultuous. <laughs> yeah. uh, tumultuous shock. Um, uh, yeah, no. So, okay, so if they cast this thing in 2009 and he's coming off G.I. Joe, I, I, do, <laughs> I don't know. Like, that would be a hell of a risk. Like, that would have been panned we, we real not hard. Know, we do not know what that would be like. I mean, congrats to him. He, he's a great actor, and he's turned his career into something insane, and, and he's got you know a huge future ahead of him as well. Well, but, he's going to be playing Gambit, I believe. He's doing the Gambit movie for Fox, oh, which that's, wow, a better, that's a better fit that. for him. Wow. So he's going to he's gonna do the Men in Black crossover movie with uh, 21 Jump Street and Gambit, and wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, do I... I I think he, he could have jumped in there and, and pulled off the role, for sure. Uh, he would have been great. He's got that look, and we know that he can evolve into the kind of star power name that he is now. I think he would have been a great Captain America. At the time, it would have made no sense. So, But neither did Chris Evans, so what are we going to do about this? Yeah, I think that's the only thing with Tatum. It's like he probably could have given you 90 95% of what Evans does, but I think you would have had more backlash from the get-go. So then we get to Neil McDonough, who I threw in. This is another internet. Uh, this is another internet choice that people wanted. He mm-hmm. had, he had come off of Band of Brothers, where he is just the badass World War II soldier, and that's what people saw. And he's blonde, and he's super blue-eyed. And people are like, he's blonde, he's blue-eyed. He was an awesome uh, World War II soldier in Band of Brothers. He should be Captain America. And it's like he's also like 38 at the time of the big <laughs> yeah. movie. And so, yeah, so that speaks. So Neil McDonough, when I've seen him in anything, he plays that kind of like terrifying, like sociopath. He like gives me kind of like an alien quality, like that he's not from our world. And uh, and, 
you know, Captain America is as American a person as it gets. And I don't look at him and think like, you are, you are America. I think he's more like, you are the alien race that's come to destroy us. You are the Eastern European, or you're the East German lab experiment from a 1980s movie that Sylvester Stallone has to beat up. Like, that's, that's who you are. Yes. Um, but he, he does, he does end up being in Captain America, right? He's he's the, the, oh my the god oh shit no he's not he's one of the the guys in Captain America's uh troop of soldiers I totally forgot about this yes yeah so so they end up getting him in there and and so he I think he's uh you know good he has that soldier look for sure yeah like um and and I think he he's a nice accent to, and a, a good foil to Chris Evans yeah but. He doesn't scream Captain America to me. Yeah, I think that Marvel was very lucky that they just pushed Chris Evans until he accepted this because it's been great for them. It's been great for him. Um, and I, I'd say it's the second most important casting that happened in the entire Marvel Universe because I could think you can say that, you know, Captain America is sort of the, the soul of, of this Marvel Universe. Yeah, he's the voice of reason, or like the voice of calm, or I don't know what you want to call it. Neil McDonough goes on to be in that commercial for that Cadillac commercial that ended up being like the most hated commercial of all time. (laughs) Do you remember that? Where it's like, it's like a commercial, like, fuck the poor. (laughs) You're rich and you do what you want, and this is the car for you. And (laughs) it's like, yeah, I mean, that's like Neil McDonough's presence. He's just like, he kind of gives this like, scary vibe to him like yeah so uh, yeah he he's not captain america it's cool that they got him in the movie but yeah yeah. all right so moving on we have two questions that that intertwine a little bit but the first is what if ed norton came back for the avengers ed norton was in incredible hulk which is the follow-up after iron man it's an okay movie and i think when he was cast it was pretty universally loved, uh, the decision to put him in these. And he does pretty good. My understanding for why he left is that Ed Norton's a super goddamn intense dude. He took a lot of control over the Incredible Hulk movie, did a lot of rewrites. I think Marvel probably worried to a large extent that they were going to have to cede too much control to him to get him to do these. Yes, and there's also the kind of like universal rumor that he's the biggest asshole ever. Yes, um, you know he gets. I mean, when he when they don't bring him on as the Incredible Hulk, he is a a dearth in his career of like nothing. Like he he's I'm looking he's he's uncredited in the Dictator. He, you know he's in these oh. random movies. I. He gets a little bit of a comeback uh, via Wes Anderson uh, in Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest. Um, and so I think that is lucky enough to, to kind of re-propel propel his career. He's hated. Like, people do not like working with him. And uh, and I think the the other rumor is that he, he plays himself in Birdman, yeah. uh, which is the kind of asshole actor who thinks he's better than everybody and uh it, and it works for Birdman, obviously. Um, do you think he didn't know that that was supposed to be comedic? Do you think just Ed Norton came in? He's like, no, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got this. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, no one wants to to have that kind of a poison on set, and it seems like everyone's 
pretty happy and good people that they have as actors in the Marvel universe right now. And, and for a billion, billion, billion dollar project like this, I just don't think it's worth it to them. And especially if you're like, Hey, we could put Mark Ruffalo in this, the, the universally most adored person <laughs> on the earth, or we could stick with this asshole. And like, yeah, yeah. I think we know what we're doing here. Yeah. I feel like Joss Whedon probably would have cut himself had he had to work with Ed Norton in an ensemble movie. Yeah. Imagine that documentary. Like. Oh God. And that's the thing. I, I think if you end up with Norton and he comes in for the Avengers, I don't think you keep someone like Whedon who has a pretty strong voice. I think you have to get someone that Norton can walk over. You hire Peyton Reed, the replacement <laughs> M.A. director. Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think then Ed Norton just ends up putting too much of a stamp on these movies. I think you get a very anxious, tense movie, like, going throughout the entire Marvel movie cinema. And I, I'm i at least of the mind that that's kind of what DC's doing, and I don't think it's working. Yeah. Um, all right. Alternate uh, Hulk question. So Hulk is the only one to not get a sequel. Yes. Um, so uh, knowing that Ang Lee's Hulk was, you know, v- very uh, – we everyone was ready for it, and then it was bad. The Marvel the, – the, the current Marvel Hulk movie was fine. I thought it was more just a, a CGI romp than anything yeah. else. I remember very little of it. I, I actually don't find Hulk's character to be very fun to watch in a movie because it's just like that – it's the angst and like I, I don't know like it's just he's not a fun character he really needs some people to kind of like go along on the ride with him he, he works well the Avengers so you know it's nice seeing him like jump in there and, and being a ridiculous tank and saving the day uh but I don't I don't want another Hulk movie and maybe they know that uh, <laughs> but, yeah yeah so and I think this kind of brings us to to the next question which is, what if Mark Ruffalo was in the original Incredible Hulk, replacing Norton, or what if he was getting a sequel? I don't know. I I think the likelihood of a sequel is more likely with Ruffalo than it is with Norton. Uh, I think everything Ruffalo touches turns to gold. Uh, I think he's great as the Hulk, but I also love that he's he's a he's a condiment in the in the Avengers movies. He's not the a, a main course. It, it, he's uh the you know, they his the the Hulk story is you know, I don't think it has the same uh maybe when it came out like just the the kind of like suppressed male aggression uh uh vibe was probably a, a more prevalent trend and it was probably seen as a good thing like way back when when these comics were released now the you know the you know male aggression <laughs> like no no one wants to see like male aggression in cartoon form like, <laughs> I, I think that's kind of like the downfall of hulk is like he's not a very in his true superhero form he's not a very likable thing <laughs> i think too it's it's hard to get across what's interesting about the Hulk in a movie. In the comics, you can do an internal monologue, either when he's Bruce Banner or when he is the Hulk, that gives you sort of an idea of his conflict that's going on. 
I think when you have him as the Hulk and his vocabulary becomes so stunted, it's hard to really build a dramatic climax around that. It's hard for you to feel like his character is ever really in danger. And that's always a problem when you've got a, a protagonist who you don't ever worry about. So I, I think that's tough. And I also wondered, look, did, did Mark Ruffalo just benefit from the fact that everyone, including the audience, wanted to be distanced from the Incredible Hulk movie? And so casting someone new who is much beloved, who is basically a giant teddy bear that everybody just wants to buddy up with, did that just work out entirely in his favor? And had he been in the original project, we would have hated that movie or we would have just been mad by that movie just as much as we were about Ed Norton's version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. You know? Yeah. I, it, I don't think Hulk is ever getting a side project. If he does, I think they're going to have to put a lot of extra characters in it, probably black widow and, and some others to throw in there to kind of up the stakes. Yeah, I would love a, a Black Widow, H- Hawkeye, Hulk side movie. <laughs> yes, I would watch that. <laughs> that. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Okay, so enough about the Hulk. Let's move on as we get to the more, you know, we're getting to bigger and bigger questions. And I think this is a good one. What if Joss Whedon doesn't direct the Avengers? He was basically the first, last, and only choice. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear his name attached to the project and you're like, of course. Of course it has to be him. And, like, you you wonder, like, all right, so you're, you know, you're a TV superstar. You know, what kind of movie would be worthy enough for you to cross over? And it's one where he deals with a monster ensemble cast that has to deal with a kind of, like, unrealistic, you know, universe, uh, all while maintaining the the heart and uh, affection of true human characters. Um and it it has to be him, uh, like right. I mean, were you disappointed at all? Was there any point where you're like, no, that's not a good choice? No. And the only person at all I ever heard who was bandied about besides him was Favreau, and I think Favreau was just burnt out at that point. Like he had done a lot of the heavy lifting early on. He had served, I think, as producer for for like Incredible Hulk and maybe Thor as well. So I get it. I get that he was. He was out, and if he was if he was out, then I don't know who else you could have possibly gotten to do this. No. Josh Whedon was perfect. I mean, his entire backlog is just ensemble cast, witty banter, uh, like you said, deep personal relationships. I mean that that is what makes the Avengers work. And I think again, and not to just bash Warner Brothers in DC, but I think that's what they've had trouble with is that why people tend to love the Avengers is because you take these godly powered characters and and you give them internal squabbles and then like buddiness about them. And and you just, you you care about them because they're people and, and they're just trying to do the right thing. And they've got their own problems on top of these gigantic, you know, universe, universe threatening catastrophes and and that's what josh whedon does and this is honestly i am trying to think of a more difficult movie project that has maybe ever happened 
how yeah, much was yeah. riding on the Avengers, and how absolutely stunning is it that not only is it decent, it's good. The first it's, Avengers it's very is good. good. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Well, we definitely agree on that. Um, here's a Joss Whedon fun fact. Do you know what he started his career with? Isn't he like an animator or something? He, he is one of the uh, side writers for Roseanne. Oh, that's right. I did remember this. He he also wrote the Toy Story screenplay. Oh my god, I did not so, know that. Uh, yeah, what a, an amazing career. Um, but to date, he has directed three mo- three movies. So Serenity and the two Avengers movies. Oh wait, no. Excuse me. You're right. Four movies. Uh, Serenity, Two Avengers, and then the Much Ado About Nothing movie. Oh my God, I forgot. And that <laughs> one was just like a weird side project he did in yeah, his own house. Filmed that over a weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what? Do, he's probably one of our great American directors. And he's and, done four movies. And he's done four movies. One is a nothing movie, and then another is like a, a movie that no one saw at the time, based off his failed TV show that everyone oh, loves. Oh, yeah. So, like... And then he made two of the biggest movies that have ever existed in the yeah, history yeah, of cinema. Yeah. Again, again, like, how how did this happen? How, like, how are we so lucky that all these, like, hilarious, like, just mistake castings, mistake choices, are, like, p- unlikely people to step up and, and you know, make our, our the, the most uh, consistent entertainment that we have in movies yeah. are all just these huge, huge risks and, and they pan out every time. I mean, and, and here's the thing. If Joss Whedon doesn't do Avengers, I, I don't even know if you can get it to be decent. And if it's not even decent, this is done. You shut it down. Like you maybe finish up the couple of movies that you had kicking around the can already, but, but, but you're done. The yep. machine, the machine is grinding to a halt. Yeah. If this, if this movie, uh, is like, you know, say, I think off the top of my head, Rotten Tomatoes, it was like a 80 or 90%. It, it was up there. Um, if this movie's like a 20 or 30%, if this gets the Batman vs. Superman treatment, Ooh. like, I, I see this, I, I see this making a lot of money, but do they, I mean, do they continue to, you know, can they release three movies a year like they've been doing? Hell no. Hell no. God, um, not to mention, if, if that movie fails, if it doesn't go well, it's very possible that the this whole superhero renaissance thing that we've had is just done. It's over. You don't even get Man of Steel or any of this. They're just over. They're done. They don't even get made. And yep. Rotten Tomatoes, Marvel, uh, the first Avengers movie is a 92% wow, on yeah. Rotten Tomato with an average score of 8. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's nuts. That's so high. Um, yeah, Wow. I, I, I'm just like <laughs> I'm surprising myself with this <laughs> podcast right now. It's just like we we are we are so lucky <laughs> like that that everything has worked out. So yeah, All right, let's let's kind of keep this in in the directing uh, realm for for another one. And that's what if Nick Cassavetes directed Iron Man? And you might ask yourself. Who in the actual fuck is Nick Cassavetes? <laughs> and I'll tell you, he these are the movies he did leading up to 2006, which is when they were originally thinking about doing the Iron Man movie. So he did John Q, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a Denzel movie. 
where someone needs a transplant of some kind and he holds up a hospital. I don't know. I remember it not being great. That is correct. Yes. Uh, he did The Notebook, <laughs> which everyone loves, The Notebook, but that's largely because Rachel McAdams is America's sweetheart and Ryan Gosling is the poutiest man who ever built a house himself for <laughs> love. And then he did Alpha Dog, which is uh, a not great Justin Timberlake performance in yes. acting role. What that movie is, is Justin Timberlake hitting a bong and laughing over and over again. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that it's insane that he his name is even brought up in, in terms of, yeah, let's consider this dude. Yeah, I man, that I, this makes me a little speechless that he um, is <laughs> in the world of of I will, this. But. I will tell you what happens if Nick Cassavetes directs Iron Man. It fucking tanks and nothing happens. We never get another goddamn. We never get the Marvel connected universe. We continue to get random attempts every four years at someone bringing out a new character, and that's it. There, there's never this gigantic connected, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It doesn't happen. Nope. It 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 pumps the brakes right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no way. I mean, again, uh, Marvel Marvel ended up getting John Favreau to do Iron Man. My and, God. And John Favreau. I, I can't think of everything he'd done before, but he has all those movies with Vince Vaughn. He had Zathura, which we've talked about before. I love, and that's maybe the thing he did that, that was closest in terms of the scale for Iron Man. But I'm trying to think of what he possibly did leading up to it that made Marvel go, yeah, let's go, let's go John Favreau. Elf. He did Elf. Yeah. And Zathura. And then his next movie is Iron Man. And he must have got, like, so Zathura was 2005. Iron Man's out in 2008. And I know he worked on it for a long time. So I have to imagine they kicked Nick Cassavetes' ass out. They bring in John Favreau. And John Favreau, I, I know, had a lot to do with constructing Iron Man sort of from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the only kind of justification I can think of is uh, Swinger's and uh and made were his kind of big movie off, off the bat uh and he um wait did, did he not direct swingers i don't think he did i think he just wrote it I don't oh know. okay okay yeah that makes more sense um i always thought that he directed all the time well that that ruins everything that i've ever thought there's no reason they should have ever picked him to do this. <laughs> that being said he has a crazy range of things that he's done you know going from so in order made to elf to zathura to iron man to iron man 2 cowboys and aliens chef and then the jungle book which i actually just saw and is incredible damn it i need to see that um and Apparently, Jungle Book 2 is greenlit, <laughs> which is like, that's like The Great Gatsby 2. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's no sequel here. Like, <laughs> Ogly goes back to humanity. Like that, Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen a 1960-something <laughs> cartoon yeah. or read the Rudyard Kipling book from the 1800s or like the late 1800s. Like, yeah, Mowgli goes back to society as a better person because he is in touch with nature. <laughs> yeah. But he goes back why all young men go back 
He like the ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mowgli has to learn how to start hitting on girls. Blue <laughs> yeah. cannot help you here. Yeah. Oh man, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. But let's uh, let's give a let's pour one out and give a moment of silence to John Favreau for just giving us the Marvel universe because without him it would be nothing. So yeah, it is insane to think about. Just insane. Had they had he not been it, and had he not been so good. Just another one of those, like, how the hell Marvel did this, I don't know. Yep. This next one, I I guess we don't know what the impact will be. And and I don't know if this is necessarily as impactful as some of these. But I think moving forward, it could have uh, a lot of ripple effect. And this was a rumor kind of going around. But what if they cast a black Spider-Man for Captain America's Civil War? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, you... You'll probably disagree with me. I recently watched the old the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and the Spider-Man story is just ugh. God, I I don't I don't uh, I don't like those Tobey Maguire movies now. I did back then. I I, I liked one and two when they came out back then. Um, I saw the Andrew Garfield one. I don't think he's bad. I just it's just the same. It's, yeah. You know I. I I don't like the origin story. It, it's it's just like it's just it's so convenient, you know. It's like nerd accidentally has a bug bite him. It, it, like that, really, that's like w- what this is. And, and like, I think a black Spider Man could have maybe revitalized it, maybe a little bit more uh, sociologically important to today's society, and given some chance for some actors of color to get in on this massive universe, which is pretty widely packed with white males right now. <laughs> um, so, and one name I had heard come up for this was uh, 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 Donald Glover. Uh, so, yeah, this is a very strange meta discussion we're about to have. So buckle up, Kevin. I'm I am. I'm so ready. I'm going to put on my nerd suspenders and spectacles, and I'm going to take you on a journey. So, so, when Amazing Spider-Man was getting cast, which is the Andrew Garfield movies, Donald Glover petitioned to get an audition for Spider-Man. He went so far as to dress up in a Spider-Man costume, and send pictures to, I don't know if he just put it on the internet or if he sent them to someone specifically, I don't know. He didn't get the part, but this got um, someone we talked about earlier, um, Jonathan Michael Bendis, or Brian, Jonathan, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, the comic book writer, thinking. Now, Brian Michael Bendis, his most successful thing he's probably ever done is something called Ultimate Spider-Man. And in 2000, Marvel basically made a a whole comic line that was supposed to be modernized. So basically, instead of all of these characters coming coming to exist in in the 50s and 60s and 70s, basically they're all coming to exist around the year 2000. So Peter Parker is a 15-year-old kid who gets bit by a spider in the year 2000, and he starts off his career. And... It's a very successful run, and there is a very large 
event that's going to happen in the Ultimate Universe called Ultimatum, and basically a lot of characters are supposed to be killed off, and, and there's supposed to be a lot of upheaval in the in the universe. And Spider-Man was their most popular character for this. It was the most consistently written. It was really well done. Um, and Bendis saw Donald Glover in this Spider-Man costume, and he thought, yeah, why don't we do that? And so they killed off Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. Thank God. And he is eventually replaced by a new character named Miles Morales, who is a uh, is a black Hispanic high school kid. And I don't actually know how he gets his powers, but he basically has the same powers as Spider-Man. He has a couple differences uh, here and there. And there was a lot of worry about this, and instead he became one of the most popular characters that Marvel has had in years. And so it's not like they would have had to cast a black Peter Parker if they didn't want to. They could have created Miles Morales and put him in this universe. I think it would have been an interesting thing to do. Like you said, we have we don't have a lot of minorities playing parts in this. We don't have a lot of women playing parts. And the parts that they are getting, none of them so far are main characters. You know, Idris Elba is a random Norse Norse Asgardian. Um, you know, we're going to get Black Panther in the, in the Civil War movie. You know, we have Falcon. And those yeah. are all nice characters. But Spider-Man is Spider-Man. And he's iconic in a way that the rest of these guys aren't. I think it would have been a really cool idea to look for a young black actor to, to throw into this. You know, some, some high school kid. I mean, the kid playing Peter Parker is 18 or 19 years old. I think. Mm -hmm. And and that's awesome. Like, I'm glad to see they're going to be a little more age appropriate with this. I think it would have been a really cool idea to go with. Yes. No, Doug, thank you for that journey. <laughs> I, I think we're all better for it. Um, no. Well, is everyone still awake here? Is <laughs> yeah. Awake? Okay, good. yeah, I'm definitely asleep right now. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I know, like, it, that the, when the Captain America trailer came out and, and Spider-Man came on, everyone kind of freaked out in a good way. Yep. It, it didn't have that effect on me. I, I'm going to kind of – I'm not going to say anything until you prove this to me that this should exist. Uh, so, you know, if – maybe I'll, if you tell me this upcoming Spider-Man movie that they have pitched is going to be good, I'll, I will go see it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see Spider-Man as kind of cameo character. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much interested in, in that, you know, in terms of seeing this movie. Um, but if you do one more goddamn Spider-Man origin story uh, about a nerd, you know, kissing girls <laughs> upside down, I, I swear to God, I will I will boycott this this franchise, uh, you know, like, oh, man. I, I agree. Spider-Man was my very favorite character growing up, and I, I can't possibly watch that again yep. i cannot watch uncle ben die i cannot watch someone tell i cannot watch him agonize over with great power comes great responsibility i get that all of those things are at the core of spider-man yep but everybody knows this everyone knows spider-man's origin just like superman just like batman we don't need to rehash it it's an american myth at this point we all know it it's like the Greeks knew the, the birth of Athena and, yeah. and you know, the revolt of Zeus. They all knew it. We all know it. You can, you can pass it up and just start us somewhere else. Yes. All right. So now we come to our final question and sort of the one that, that got this whole exercise going. And it is, what if Tom Cruise 
was cast as Iron Man. Um, let me take you on a journey, Doug. So <laughs> buckle in. Um, I'm going to take us back to a few previous conversations right now. Um, so we talked about, I just realized that John Favreau did not direct Swingers. And so I did a quick look and I saw Doug Lyman directed Swingers, yeah. uh, which I did not know. Now, Doug Lyman goes on and he ends up directing Edge of Tomorrow uh, and and is also going to direct the Gambit movie. Um, really? So, so you have someone who's very, very closely tied to Jon Favreau uh, and is, you know, can handle the kind of same loose dialogue kind of action, you know, fun action, uh, I guess. Um, and and maybe John Favreau was like, hey, you should consider my man Doug Lyman over here, who, you know, was off doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith in 2006 and then did oh. nothing for a while. Um, and and so they bring him, you know, he somehow gets Edge of Tomorrow greenlit, which I call me crazy. I think it's one of the greatest original concepts that we've had in a movie in the past 10 years. It was um, really enjoyable. And to find out that Cruz was the one who really wanted to up the comedy of it with him getting killed over and over is is tremendously crazy to find out. Yes, yes. Uh, that That is a movie that should not have succeeded and, and very much did. And maybe maybe that was the problem here is that the movie companies were like, yeah, this this is not going to do well, and we're not going to market this very well. But then it actually was really good, and then it was like they have the egg on their face for really <laughs> fucking mismarketing the movie. No kidding. Um, and changing the title after the movie already came out. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, Kill, Die, Repeat, which admittedly I is a good title that make, that gives you the plot of the movie instead of it being some weird, like, Walt Whitman poem. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow is the most generic sci-fi name for a movie you can come up with. Yes, yes. Um, so, all right, so that all being said, so Doug Lyman, obviously, of the same kind of uh, mind that would make the Marvel Universe and has made these kind of fun action movies with Tom Cruise before had him in mind for this Edge of Tomorrow that came out probably a few years after the Iron Man movie. Could he have played Iron Man in the same vein as as the kind of like uh, ideological lead character that is brought in and will be continued in, in these kind of Marvel directed movies? The short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> That all being said, that was all backstory. Uh, Tom Cruise's Iron Man would have been a massive fucking failure and a, and would have just brought so much negative attention to a movie that needed just uh, – it needed a redemption performance from Robert Downey Jr. It would not have gotten the redemption performance from Tom Cruise if he had been in that role. Here is here's the thing. I, I think that a Tom Cruise Iron Man movie – would have been very successful in terms of the money that it generated. I don't think it would have gotten nearly the type of praise that it did. And I think that we probably would have gotten a lot of sequels to Iron Man. But I don't think there is any way in hell that we get a connected Marvel Universe because I just don't think that on a large scale... Tom Cruise would be able to be in such a large ensemble and be as giving as Robert Downey Jr. has been 
to to the other cast members who and let's be honest, Robert Denny Jr.'s shadow is much bigger than all of these characters, especially as we're coming up to the first Avengers movie. But he's been very gracious on screen with all of these guys. Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, all of these guys. They're getting their equal share with, with Robert Denny Jr. I just don't think Cruz could have done that. I don't think that you could have had – you could have maybe had Iron Man and the Avengers – yeah. I don't think you could have had the type of ensemble movie that, that has made this universe work. Yep. So here's how I see it. You need you need kind of three qualities to make a successful Iron Man. You need to be able to be an action movie lead. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Cruise can both do that. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to be funny. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. has, you know, wit and charm throughout all of his movies. Tom Cruise can be surprisingly funny at times, like in uh, Tropic Thunder. Yes. You also need to be a bad person who is likable. Now, that's that's the key of how Robert Downey Jr. He can do all those things, but he can do every. He's Tony Stark is not a good person, but he is likable. Um, and, you know, he comes around. Obviously, he yeah. starts making his weaponized business into doing good. Tom Cruise. Can you name a movie where Tom Cruise is likable? Uh, you can name movies where he is charming. You can name movies where where uh, you root for him. But truly likable, that is eventually in Jerry Maguire. But, yeah, but, the, but, but that's, that is, it's got an undercurrent of like you, you hate Jerry Maguire. Yeah, like, he's like, a terrible person. You You end up liking him because he quits being all the things that you hate about him. Yes. And that's only for the, about the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yes. Yes, that, that is all correct. Um, I, I just – I don't see – like has he been – has he been like charming? Not not in the sense of like like sociopath charming that he does in a lot of his movies. But just like like I, I want to go out and have dinner with him. You know, like Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that would be a dream come true. Yeah, I, I wouldn't see that. I would let – Robert Downey Jr. buy me a nice steak, some glasses of wine, <laughs> take me home, sit me in front of a roaring fire, and make love to me on a on a bear truck. <laughs> Hope my wife doesn't listen to this portion of it, but it's very honest, true. Yeah, I no, and I, I do not want to go on a date with Tom Cruise. That's for damn sure. Um, in a room alone with Tom Cruise. No, no, I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk to Tom Cruise. I, yeah, so no. Um, so th- here's the thing. I think one. Okay, so we've established the whole Marvel universe falls apart if this happens. Yeah. Here's the more interesting question. So Robert Downey Jr. had his his deep lull that existed i mean i guess you could say he started to pull himself out of it with like wonder boys and ally mcbeal but he was pretty low-key then he did kiss kiss bang bang and good night and good luck and so he started to get a little traction uh had a decent part in zodiac and then he got cast as iron man pretty much out of goddamn nowhere and it yep. elevated him to the biggest movie star on the planet. Here yeah. are the movies we don't get if Robert Downey Jr. isn't Iron Man. We don't get Tropic Thunder. We don't get the Sherlock Holmes movies. Uh, mm-hmm. We do not get 
The Judge, which whatever, but it did get nominated uh, for um, for Robert Duvall. Yeah, and it's yeah, just like whatever. we we don't have also just internet sensation and America's favorite person. Like, yeah, it's just not what he doesn't come back like that. He doesn't end up being at the forefront of our entire cinema culture. Um, yeah, no, that's that's exactly correct. And and Robert Downey Jr. will be a star forever. Like, I, I don't I don't see him not making a movie a year for forever now. Like, yeah. I, I I I will I will most likely see any Robert Downey Jr. movie. Um, that's not the same. That's not true for Tom Cruise. So yeah, I agree. Um, so I think that I think that brings us to the end. There are a whole lot more questions we probably could have asked. Like, oh yeah, you know, what if Terrence Howard would have stuck around as uh, as Rhodes? Yeah. But instead, we got uh, you know, we got an upgrade there. So I'm not gonna complain too much. Exactly. But if anyone has questions, feel free to send us to or send them to us. You know, you can you can comment on the the section at our website realtimereview.com. You can tweet us at RTR Podcast. You can, uh, I guess you can get a carrier pigeon and send it my way. Whatever you want to do, shoot us questions, shoot us uh, comments, yell at us, whatever you feel like. Uh, some some comic book nerd, shoot me something where I messed up something and you really want to get pedantic about things, and I'll be sure to to give you a shout out the next time we're on. Kevin, it's been fun. As it always is, Douglas. Kevin, what if? We do another podcast soon. I, uh, I'm open to it. We'll see. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you later and uh, keep listening, guys. You may have noticed our theme song at the beginning of this episode. It did only take us six sessions to get this done, but I wanted to give a shout out to Dave Depper who recorded it. So you'll be hearing that from now on.